All right, everybody, welcome to episode six of Stepped and Hit. This is a part of my interview series called Waiting to Talk. Uh, I've got a very special guest on tonight, uh, someone I've been looking forward to interviewing for quite a while. Uh, she's a very interesting person, um, has led an interesting life uh, up till now. I think she was going to be chief of police, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah, we uh I wouldn't say we were, you know, I mean we grew up we had a we have a common history. We kind of grew up together. I mean, we weren't like neighbors growing up, but you know, we went to the same school and this and that. We knew the same people, same circles, things like that. So uh without further ado, I would like to welcome Lisa. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Long time no here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, but uh, you know, we've kept up uh through social media and this and that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's good to hear from you again. Um, how are things? How's life? How's work? What's what's been going on with you? Honestly, everything as we last left off is same old, same old. Um, I mean, you know, I'm glad that we have obviously kept up throughout the whole entire years. Surprisingly, small world. Mm -hmm. um, going from Catholic middle school to separating of never hearing from each other. And then all of a sudden, you know, just hearing back from each other. Um, so now um, obviously I'm a detective with the Houston police department. Um, and I still do that as of today. Um, sadly, you know, you would think that this is like, something new and extravagant and, and something that's like, Oh my God, what do you do? Like, this is what honestly, I just love doing. This is my normal day life. And, um, I mean, even me having my son, I just love what I do as much as people seem to have, I guess the same old ordinary, same old job. I have a different day routine. Yeah, yeah. It's, I I would say you definitely don't have a normal nine to five like a lot of people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, what was that like? I mean, um, because I don't know much about how you got into uh, the academy or even wanting to join the force, the police force. Uh, how did that start? Where did that come from? What's crazy is I always loved ghost stories I don't know if that's weird I don't know but I just loved ghost stories and how people died and how people spirits lived on and from there you know I would hear the oh ghosts aren't real this and that and then I'm like okay well if I can't believe in ghosts I'm like okay well how did they die and then I would stem off of that like okay how do people die you know it was criminal activity this and that and you know of course again relating to ghost stories they would stem off of um I guess their souls wouldn't live on so I just went from there I was like okay well I guess I could just go to um police officer duties I guess of who did what how they did it why they did it into a more psychological matter I guess, um, of why the criminals did what they did when it came to, I guess, murdering someone. 
And here I am. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, your, uh, what was your training like? Did you go through like a tr criminal justice program or, uh, did you just jump right in as a civilian or how did, how did that work? Um, so we do go, we do have to have, um, college hours. And at first it was 48 hours to join the police academy, but now it is, you are able to have um, a stable job for three years and um, you are able to join after that. But with my um, college degree, I guess I wanted to learn criminal justice and I did go into it. And surprisingly before I actually did try to go for nursing because mm -hmm. my family was like, no, you need to do a more feminine type um, job career and I tried the whole nursing but my heart was more for criminal justice and mm -hmm. I wanted to learn about um, yeah exactly criminal justice and, and why people did what they did more in the psychology level at the same time too so I did minor in psychology okay okay yeah the, 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 it seems like those two usually do go together uh, that way you can understand why uh, you know, what sets people off, why, you know, mental illness, things like that, uh, mm -hmm. that all leads to, uh, basically a criminal lifestyle. Uh, so yeah, you, you said nursing, a feminine thing. It's funny because, uh, they wanted me to do nursing because, uh, my grandma always said, there's always a job in healthcare. You mm -hmm. know, pe people are always going to be sick, but you went the other route and people are always going to be criminals and scumbags. So, I mean, it's kind, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, uh, but, you know, a different a different focus. And um, would you say uh, what turned you off to healthcare that put you on to criminal justice? Just the books, just the science, just everything was just you, you. It was just black and white. You either had this answer or that answer. And to me, I was just like, well, wait, what's in between? What's, you know, what what's what else is there for it? And it was just like, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't relate to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And with the criminal justice part, it was just like, okay, I want to find out why they did it. And okay, they did this. And obviously there was a reaction to it. And with the whole health science care, it was just like, okay, obviously They've been eating bad. This is what's going to respond to it. So I, I just it, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, I see. I see. Uh, because the criminal, I guess, mind is uh, more complex than, say, somebody walking in with diabetes. And it's like, why do you have diabetes? Oh, well, you eat too much sugar. So uh, now you have diabetes. So it's a little more uh, complex, the field that you did go into. Mm hmm. Yeah, so uh, that that's really interesting. And you did this uh, all while being a single mother, is that right? Correct. Um, so I wanted to do the whole nursing thing. And my son was always at my side. And it was harder for me to study and focus on the books and the everything of the equations. And to me, my heart wasn't in it. You know, when, when something, when you're set for it, that's what you want. That's what's easy for you. And this, I mean, it was there. It, it was doable, but 
I did not want it. So whenever I was like, you know what? No, I wanted my criminal justice part. And it just was just handed to me like a silver platter because everything that was questioned in every test, every quiz, I knew every answer because I could just, you know, well, not technically relate to it, but I mean, I, I knew what they wanted to know, I guess, when it came to the questions, I, I knew the answer to it. Right, right. Okay. And uh, how old was your son at the time when you uh, decided to kind of dive into this head first and just go straight, straight up criminal justice? Mm, he was probably one years old. Maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So baby. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to go from a newborn to one. And I mean, those are the hardest <laughs> time frames of having a child. Um I mean, the every two, three hours of waking up, having to feed them and whatnot and having to study, it, it was not doable at all. Yeah. Yeah. And did you have like a, you know, like a like a job at the time, like a like a side job or maybe like something that you did part time to kind of so, keep afloat or how'd that work? So I did waitressing and I did bartending. Um, that was just something I was always hustling to try to get money um anything for the weekends so i was a quote unquote stay at home mom student during the week days and then weekends i was just the hustle flow just try to make ends meet basically yeah yeah and uh, you do get a good good uh i don't know character study of a bunch of criminals if you're a bartender i know that for sure exactly uh, especially when you're sober <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So um, and with that, um, there was was there a lot of family involved, like helping you raise him? Because I know in my family, you know, that's that's always been a big thing. Like if there's a newborn, you know, there's going to be either a, a, a aunt or a grandparent who can take care of the child. Is that something similar that happened with you? My mom did help me out a lot because she was a single mom back then with me and my brothers so it was three of us and just one of her wow. so I was the first one to have a child and you know people think that I was 16 and pregnant no I was 23 <laughs> and <laughs> pregnant but I still had my mom to help me out because um, she did want me to still focus on my degree and get it done with that's good. Yeah, that's really good to have that uh, familial support, you know, uh, especially when raising a child and trying to kind of figure out who you want to be as an adult. Um, so that's 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 uh, really uh, commendable there. Um, so how long were you or how long have you been uh, an officer or a detective or I, I, I'm not sure the or the right vernacular, but how 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 long have you been in this field? So I have been with uh, the department for six years and um, I joined in 2015 and graduated 2015 as well so when it comes to being an officer you do have to serve your time I guess you could say so I served three years as patrol and then now I will hit my three-year mark as detective in December wow wow all right well congratulations <laughs> on that uh what was your um from my random knowledge what was your beat where where did you work like what was your patrol 
usually or did did it change so it did change um as soon as we get out of the academy which we spend six months in the police academy in a in a controlled environment basically of learning you know anything and everything when it comes to the quote-unquote outside world but again in a controlled environment of actors and role players um after that we do pick station quote-unquote stations of where we are gonna be at for the next six months and um that is our training station so i chose northeast which is primarily from irvington to um uvalde down to wayside if you can say that the north east side of Houston. Okay. And that is one of the main <laughs> stations that is a good training station because you get anything and everything. And I sure did learn a lot down from my very first day on training. I mean, you know, they just throw you out there just to see what you know. And it's pretty good because, you know, you have to learn yourself. Um, after that training station, I did go to the station that I had to pick where I would be as an officer. And unfortunately, Northeast was not available. So I went to East Side, which is off of 45 South um, on the left side outbound. So more of the Hispanic area, um, the Would Hispanic area of Wayside. Yeah, um, Wayside. Like, uh, how far south? Like, uh, I know you're 45 north, but like, like, like Cavalcade, or what? What are you talking here? Irvington, something like that. So, for northeast or east side? Uh, the east side. East side. So east side is 45 south from Wayside to Monroe. So mm. 45 south area. Um, like I guess you could say from um. U of H main campus, but mm. across. Oh, wow. Wow. Across the, the freeway. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so that I guess for, for some reason they, they, you know, we called that east side, but on the opposite side of the freeway, it was southeast. So to me, I mean, you know, you would figure 45 south is south side, but they threw in east side out of nowhere. So. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when you did first start off, were you, um, obviously you weren't thrown out, you know, into the world on your own. You did like, did you do like ride alongs? Did you have a partner? How did that work? So when we do go, um, out on quote unquote on our own, um, we do have field training officers and we spend our time. I want to say from what I remember three weeks, with day shift, three weeks with evening shift, and three weeks with night shift. So we can get the field for each, you know, um, time frame throughout the day. And then after that, then we do get an evaluation, which we cannot talk to our evaluator. They just literally let us on our own and they evaluate us on how we um handle the scene basically really okay so yeah with that does that mean that uh you kind of take the lead and they they just kind of spectate 
Exactly. Yes. So they kind of picked the call. So um, we basically get a computer in our car in the, in the patrol vehicle and in the, the computer, it shows us, okay, you have this domestic violence call. You have this, you know, runaway call. You have every different type of call. So our evaluator is like, you know what? Let's go ahead and give you this call. And they want to see how we will handle it. So whenever we get to the scene, we just go out there and we handle it to the best of our ability mm -hmm. while they're just watching us and they evaluate like, okay, you know, you did this right. You did this wrong, whatever. And at the end of the day, like they will tell us afterwards of what we could have done better, but we have total control of the scene as it is without mm -hmm. them getting involved. But I mean, if, something does go down then yes they will get involved for sure yeah so i imagine a like a superior would kind of intervene and uh kind of i don't know i guess diffuse the situation or or you know uh help you mm -hmm. at some point uh but yeah that that's that's pretty cool i didn't know that aspect of it um yeah so uh wow that's really cool so when you transition though how was your transition from patrol now patrol what my my understanding very vaguely is that okay so are you like driving around looking for people to pull over and hoping for like you know some warrants or some drugs or something like did you like have to do traffic stops and stuff like that damn people get that mindset that officers are already you know having that reason to pull people over or having that limit of how many tickets they have to write we don't have that you know patrol where or patrol is the backbone of the department they are the ones that are in their beat driving around you know um whenever they're caught out to a scene they will go automatically but if the officer does see a vehicle that has a let's just say a tail light out or you know they don't put their um you know, blinker on, anything like that, then they do kind of have that right to, you know, pull up their license plate, see, assess the, the situation to see if, if they have a reason to pull the vehicle over. Um, if that's, if that's the case, but, um, if it does turn out to where they do run the license plate and if the vehicle is, stolen or if they do have warrants and yeah they will you know pull the vehicle over um for me you have to kind of drive around and then we do get alert slips to make sure the community is safe because there are certain areas of the community that say hey we've been getting break-ins at this certain location so we will drive around the location and if we do see suspicious vehicles with you know, lights out in the middle of the night. Yeah, we are going to kind of try to pull them over to see, hey, what are you doing? Your your lights are out and whatnot. Just to make sure everything's okay. And if everything does get out of hand, then, yeah, we, we will take, you know, action as needed. Okay. And how often would you say that it was that you stopped someone for, like, say, a busted light or uh, an expired tag or whatever? And uh, it turned into something bigger. So the only reason for that is 
I will follow someone for a busted tail light or, you know, um, expire tag is just to see if they do have multiple warrants. If it, if I'm talking about one warrant, no, you know, that's, that's not what I'm looking after because honestly, I was the one that was pulled over multiple times for expired tags or busted taillights and whatnot because I'm a daddy's girl. <laughs> and if <laughs> I didn't, you know, take care of it and my dad didn't, then I sure as was forever pulled over like no other and given the ticket. And it did upset me. So I wasn't going to be that one to ticket someone for something that, you know, could be fixed within a couple minutes. Right, right. Yeah. Especially if it's something like a, you know, something small, like a, like a, I don't know, uh, like they owe or have now. Oh, well, this is a differentiator. Uh, what if they have priors and what if uh, there's something like, uh, I don't know, violent against them? Not that they, I don't know, would they have a warrant or, I mean, how does that work? So whenever we run license plates, the reader our our you know computer will show us hey you know caution there is a warrant for their arrest so no matter what before anything we do notify our dispatcher hey i'm out at this location hey i have this vehicle vehicle description license plate information and whatnot and our dispatcher will tell us Okay, well, there's an open warrant for their arrest. It's not. Mm -hmm. But before everything, you know, we do get the, you know, driver's information and whatnot. But who's to say that driver is the driver that's provided to us? Because it could be a brother, a significant other, a cousin and whatnot. You know, because everyone borrows everyone's cars nowadays. So we can't go, you know guns to the vehicle hey get out with your hands up no we don't do that as movie show apparently so i mean we go with caution we go with at ease as we would want our own family to be approached right and you know we approach them with caution with respect you know hey can i see your identification this and that i see you're driving this vehicle and we go from there Okay. And would you say that, uh, you know, I don't know how many times out of 10 uh, people would see that it was a female officer and they would just kind of uh, like brush you off or not take you seriously? Or was there anything like that? Any kind of uh, like a gender disparity there? Um, I would honestly... It's 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 honestly hit or miss with me. When there was a female passenger, I would notice that the female passenger would try to speak for the male driver, and you know I would try to speak for myself as well to just let them know, look, ma'am, I'm not <laughs> speaking to you. I'm speaking to the driver. Um, but if it was a driver, if it was a male driver. They have honestly been with respect um, as I have come with them with respect as well. I've never came at them with, you know, trying to raise myself up just because I am a female. I I don't want to be the female to be like, no, I'm going to 
be that macho version as a male mm-hmm. and give me this and give me that. No, I, I come at them as I would want to come be came at, I guess. Right, right. Because, I mean, you don't want to overcompensate and then something crazy happens and then, then the situation will just escalate from there. Exactly. Yeah, so that that's uh, that's cool. But what what we've seen, uh, you know, as a country uh, in the news lately, uh, a lot of that hasn't been happening. I mean, it's I don't want to say a lot of it. I mean, because the twenty four hour news cycle uh, pushes this stuff down our throats all the time mm-hmm. about uh, officer shootings. Uh, you know, whether it was justified or not, and things like that. So. Since this whole, uh, I don't want to say a movement because I mean, it's kind of been a thing, but like, have you, did you experience when you were patrolling, like a lot of, um, people who were like, F the police and, uh, I know my rights and this and that, like, have you ever encountered anything like that? So, um, from before, whenever I was in patrol, there was, um, again, east side, Hispanic area. Um, this was the little cantina, um, you know, clubs that the females would go to. And um, they were causing a ruckus. And, you know, the, the, the male officers were trying to get a hold of them, trying to get them to calm down. And they were coming down, but as soon as I arrived on scene, because of course, with our, you know, policy, a female has to search a female. And when I arrived, they were calm, but as soon as they saw me, they just went haywire. And to me, I'm just like, wait a minute, (laughs) like, I didn't do anything, you know, I didn't cause your, you know, your reason to be detained. I'm just here to do my job. And at first they were being detained. Everything was fine. But as soon as I tried to just quote unquote, search them, make sure that they didn't have any weapons on them. They went just haywire. So I kind of had to use force and then they would just, you know, just say anything and everything about me and to me, I'm just like, wait a minute, I, I'm technically one of you, but yeah. I'm just still doing my job. Like, I'm I'm sorry that I'm a female. But again, me, myself, I would rather have me as a female officer search you rather than a male search you in this mini dress that you're wearing. But um, yeah, because that's that causes another case entirely that like that'll that'll cause some sort of you know, uproar, uh, it, it will escalate the situation, I'm sure. And then the mm-hmm. female will claim that she was groped and this and that. Exactly. So, yeah. So the male officers were doing everything procedure the right way as needed. And of course, as soon as I walked in, me being a Hispanic, me being a female, me being an officer, everything was just wrong, apparently. And to me, I'm just like, I'm just doing my job, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry that this was wrong place, wrong time. Um, there's just there's just been multiple different times that, you know, I just never expected it to happen. But again, it's just like, would you rather have me or someone else? What, what would you prefer? 
Yeah, yeah, and people, especially if it's at night and they're drunk, they really, you know, they just kind of have a have an uh, innate attitude against any kind of law enforcement. It's like you're you're just a, an inconvenience to me right now. So uh, I just want to go about my business. Uh, why are you picking on me? This and that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can I can see uh, a lot of apprehension, especially when uh, like an when you have to call a, a female that just seems like oh oh they called for backup oh oh we must be doing something wrong but we're not you know like it people get in their heads about how um, you know the situation is 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 being handled so uh, but they don't know that this is SOP you know mm-hmm. what I mean so it's like. Standard operating procedure says that a female must search a female. So exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. Uh, what did you, so, all right. Walk me through your transition. Uh, because since you've been at the force for what seems like a long time, but is in the bigger picture is kind of not a long time. It seems like you rose the ranks pretty quickly. (laughs) yeah um so as i was in patrol so no one kind of like with patrol even even patrol alone patrol officers think just because they do the report that that's it it's over and done with you know go home it's done patrol doesn't realize itself that after the report, it gets sent off to the investigators level of burglary and theft, of sexual assault, of, you know, auto theft, any anything. Yeah. And with me, I kind of realized, like, you know, whenever I would go to domestic violence or runaways or sexual assault reports, I'm like, well, who who is this person reporting this and you know why are they constantly reporting this call so i would constantly look through it and you know try to go more in depth of what's going to happen to it mm-hmm. and um there were several calls like there was a shooting in progress and um a girl had gotten shot and she gave minor description of who had shot her. So she gave like alias names and that it was apparently gang related. So I was just going through it and I'm like, well, who is this? And, and is this even going to go anywhere? Me alone as patrol. I'm like, well, you know, I called out our, you know, crime scene unit and everyone else homicide and I'm just like, well, where does this go? And me alone, I was just investigating further and further. I'm like, wait a minute. This girl has history with this quote-unquote guy that she doesn't even know his name. But she was just lying about it. And I'm like, no, yes, she does have history with him. So I was able to, you know, to further it on to the division that was pulling for the information. And we ended up arresting the guy. Mm-hmm. And... To me, I'm like, you know, okay, there is more beyond the report alone. I wanted more than just a report. So I wanted just investigation level. 
but growing up alone, my mom did uh, sexual assault, ju- uh, juvenile sex crimes. And she was an investigator for, you know, uh, Small World, Houston um, Independent School District teacher sex crimes. Right, right. So all I learned about was juvenile sex crimes. And so finally, HPD obviously does have one. And I was just like, you know what? Let me just try it. And I fell in love with it. And obviously here I am now. Um, mm-hmm. I just love anything and everything when it comes to investigations because it's like a seed. That seed grows and grows and grows. And you will find more and more and more about what you want to know when it comes to that little seed that you may think that there's nothing there. Right, right. Yeah. And you know what? I feel like I can relate a hundred percent because I'm like this sort of idiot savant when it comes to uh I don't know, I guess they call it now they call it is it's called a sleuth. Uh, basically doing some sort of like investigations uh that you know are not official, of course, but you know, you kind of backtrace things with what little uh I I I, I I liken it to that movie or that documentary series on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Don't Fuck With Cats. Yes. You've seen that. Okay. Yeah. So so I feel like that I could have been one of those people on that case because of the way that I, I don't know, I have this uh, astute attention to detail when it comes to, you know, just, I don't know, anything, anything. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's like a, a quality that a detective innately has that you just really are curious and you you kind of zone in and you buckle down and you just figure out what the cause of something was and then you find out you know you get you get to eventually the the reason the the and then you get an outcome from it from your detective work mhm yeah, and see, people, I mean, Seth, like, they have private investigators as it is now. So, with me as an investigator, when I have my complainants, my families coming forth to me that, you know, we saw this, we saw that, we know this, we, we know that. I'm just like, you know what? They want to help out with this investigation. I let them, but when it, I mean... I don't, I tell them don't interview people, you know, but if they know who or where someone is at, I want them to let me know where and, you know, where they've been at. So I tell my family, you know what? Yeah. You know where they're at. Let me know. So then we can further investigate. And, you know, just like you, you, you have that cringe to go forth with it. Like, it's in you and, and it's good. It's always helpful. Yeah. And do you find a lot of people are like, you know, still, you know, they don't want to be a rat or they don't want to be known as a rat. So they don't want to give any information, even yes. though it would help them. Yes. And it's sad and it, and it hurts me, too, because a lot of my families, unfortunately, obviously, it's it's sexual assault victims and families. Mm-hmm. And 
with those suspects, they do threaten the families and their lives. And my complainants and my complainants' family and my outcries are like, well, I don't want to give you any of this information because he said he would kill me. He said he would kill Mm. my family and this and that. And to me, I'm like, we have victim services. We have, you know, resources that are going to help you, that are going to, you know, put you in a place that no one's going to know where you're at. It's only you that's going to help us out in this investigation. It's going to help you out in saving yourself as well and keeping you safe. (coughs) Excuse me. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, I need those statements because at the end of the day, when it goes to trial, if I don't get those statements, I'm never going to find them ever again because they're so scared and especially undocumented families. It hurts me the most because, you know, we're here to help them the most and they don't see that and they have more resources as ever after they come forth because they are in that asylum and known that it's like that's it they are a victim once they come forth with it right everything is just you know in privacy mode i guess you could say yeah and i can see their apprehension uh being that they're undocumented so um Obviously, undocumented means they're here illegally. Is that is that a fair assessment? Correct. Okay, so they, they have an apprehension toward law enforcement. So they really don't want to get involved and get in the system. So they'd rather just, you know, stay quiet. Yes. So sadly, um, just as, as an example, um, let's just say that the suspect is documented, brought them here, and that quote-unquote suspect is the husband of the undocumented woman, and he is molesting her daughter, which is possibly his daughter as well. Mm -hmm. He will portray it and say, you know what, you're here because I'm here, and I will violate her because you can't say anything. Yeah. You can't say it. And, uh, you owe me basically. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. God, that's awful. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Do you, uh, do you go to therapy? So they do offer us, um, psychological services for, um, our division because they do know that we do hear stories endless, day in and day out of you know what's happened to the victim what's happened to them do down to a detail um and I did go to therapy when I was in patrol but unfortunately I haven't gone yet um as I have been a detective within this division but I am gonna eventually go just I guess to let you know, um, I guess it, just to talk about my my cases, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, because you know, you need to you need to let that stuff out. You can't let that stuff sit with you. Do you take a lot of it uh, with you home? You know what I mean? Like, do you like kind of uh, have a case you feel really, really bad about, and then you just take it home and just kind of brood over it and just feel bad? So what I have noticed lately is the one the cases that I do take home and bring home are <laughs> involving the the juvenile boy cases I guess you mm. can say is because I have my son mm. so when it when it comes to boys I bring I I take those to heart the most because I just think about my son and in case anything were to happen to my son I I take those heart I take those to heart the most um but other than that I don't I don't have anyone to talk to at home I don't bring it home I don't I don't rage out or anything like that if if that's what you're asking right right but do you I mean um because in my past what I would do is I would take all this pent up anger and anguish and everything that's been going on in my life. And I would just like abuse alcohol, you know, I would uh, drink to a complete blackout and like just pass out. And, you know, uh, like they say, uh, uh, your problems are really good swimmers because no matter how hard you try to drown them in alcohol, they can, they can still swim. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so what I would do is, you know, I would, I would, I would, I would take those problems into a drinking session, whether it's at a bar or if I brought like a, a 30 rack home and I would just, you know, demolish that and then wake up feeling like shit the next day physically. But hey, mm-hmm. at least mentally for a while, I escaped. Mm-hmm. So what's crazy and what's, <laughs> um, you probably wouldn't believe is a lot of us in our division that we work with, we literally hear about, and I don't want to be too, you know, forthcoming. We literally hear about, you know, stuff entering vaginas and penetration and this and that. And we sadly talk about it at lunch that it's like, oh, yeah, I had this case and this happened and this and this. And, you know, we, we just talk about it like normal, like normal conversation that you would honestly sadly hear if you were sitting at the table near us. And to us, it's like this is our way of venting, just of talking about what we're having to deal with about each case that we get on, you know, the daily level. But to me, coming home I guess, I mean, I don't come home and think about, oh, my God. You leave it at work? mm, I wouldn't say that either. I, so, again, my mom, my mom dealt with these cases when, so, so she's retired investigator right now as of December. So, I could still vent to her about my cases And she's a great, amazing person to vent to. But when I do come home, I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to drink, you know. But (laughs) 
funny, I still go back to crying movies or crime series on the TV. And I mean, it's not the same as the, the sexual assault part, but yeah. I don't think like, oh my God, I, I need to get this person. I need to do this. I need to do that. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to, I, I pretty much try to put my next day. Okay. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I don't over drink it. I don't overthink it or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can like, f- at least from a personal perspective, I can, I can see where you can kind of cart compartmentalize um you know work and home but when work is so gruesome i don't know gruesome is probably too strong of a word but i mean like the details that come with the detectives day-to-day become kind of mundane and like you said a topic of a lunch conversation it just feels like you're 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 getting it out you're getting it out with peers and then you come home and then you're you're fine Mm -hmm. but i mean like for me personally i i don't think i could do it because i can't handle that kind of emotional mental stress you know what i mean Mm -hmm. especially not having an outlet but at least they are offering services to you in which you can take advantage of to kind of forego these kind of, um, I don't know, uh, I don't I forget what they call it, but it's like symptoms that are on the side, like just kind of, kind of outliers that, uh, that, that will happen. You know, maybe you'll have a dream or, you know, wake up when the, in the middle of the night thinking about a case or something like that, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. And sadly, you know, being a police officer from the get-go, we do get desensitized and yeah. it sucks because you know when people want to try to tell us oh yeah i the other day i had this and that and we're just like well okay we'll just file a report and so them they're you know this could be a more you know traumatized experience but to us it's like this is something that we deal with daily but when it comes to the children, that's a whole different, you know, ball game. And, you know, we we hear stories day in, day out. And to me, it's more like, well, recently I've had bad physical abuse cases. And because the physical abuse cases, you could see it. You, you, you know, see the bruising. You see the markings. You see... The injuries and is this on is this on male or female or could it be both ways both ways okay both ways so me personally i've dealt with the boys and i've seen them being beaten and they're from the mother's boyfriend and mm-hmm. that has hurt me the most again because i have the son and to me, again, I would never let my quote-unquote significant other do that to my son because, honestly, you know, mama's boys, they're mama's boys. That mom is not going to let anything happen to their son. Right. The daughter, okay, you're going to go out, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're, you're going to be your own woman. But 
the mama's boys know they're, you know, they're there because they want the mom. And for that to happen, it hurts me a lot. And, um, yeah, I, I've had a lot of recent physical mama's boys being physically abused by the mom's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And mom's boyfriend, I have gotten charged on them, but mom just gets let free. And there is a charge against mother that can be child endangerment because she is letting the child still within the home. Wow. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I, I because I mean, uh, uh, I, w- I don't. Well, I wouldn't say recently, but it was uh, in the news where um, this boyfriend uh, killed the daughter, I believe, of his girlfriend, and uh, they found her in one of the bayous or something. It, it, it was some. It was a really big case. I, I, I don't remember the specifics. I just remember that it was the boyfriend. And that that is always kind of like the case. It seems like it seems like, you know, you you share custody with, you know, your your former significant other that you have a child with and then you send them off to be with this person and then they get abused and beaten and in worst cases killed by the person that your ex chose to be their partner. So, I mean, it's 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 well documented and it's like it, it really is it's super sad because i mean oh my god to be either parent to be the mother i mean sometimes the mother seems culpable you know it seems like maybe she allowed it to happen exactly uh or or the 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 boyfriend just snapped because he had he didn't have the uh, mental fortitude to I don't know, care for a younger person. So he just snapped. And then he's like, this kid is uh, uh, crying all the time. So I'm going to shake it until it stops crying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, stuff like that. Like, like I always, always hear these stories and I, 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 I fear for my, some of my own family. I don't, I don't want to get in too into it. There's uh, actually a court case going on, but, I fear for some members of my own family in that mm-hmm. regard. Exactly. And sadly, like it's, it's hard to prove too, because the mother is just so in love and infatuated with the significant other and that significant other, that's not their child. And the mother isn't disciplining them well enough you know, so they take matters into their own hands. And, you know, so when we investigate these things and we question them, we make sure, look, did you know or were you aware of the discipline that was going on? What what discipline is your description? What's the description of your discipline? Because there's improper discipline, there's main discipline and then there's over excessive discipline so it's like what was the fact or what was the matter that you observed and at the same time too were you aware of it did you not take the child to seek medical care if there was over discipline 
And what what if you receive this 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 discipline? Would you have received medical care for you know if you were hurt in this scenario as well? Um, at the same time, too, was the mother in fear of her own life mm-hmm. of reporting it? Right. So it and. Sadly, when it comes to these district attorneys and these magistrates, they are just PR bonds and let them go. And this didn't mean anything. And this and that. I'm not going to accept this charge. And, oh, they took them to medical care. And it just frustrates us because we do all this work. To save this child. And. Nothing comes up of it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, I mean. I I see that. You know. From afar. (laughs) On the news. Uh, But. um, Also. Like I said. In my personal life. I have. I know of a situation. Where there's something going on. And. uh, It's. It's going to be battled out in court. After all. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it just, it's just a, it's just a wide spectrum of, of, uh, of human emotion, human, um, loyalty, I guess. I, I, I don't, I don't see, I mean, like you, for instance, I don't see you ever tolerating any of this bullshit. Like, if you were to, well, I don't, I don't know your love life, but if you were to have a partner who was like slapping your son around or like, you know, do, doing something like, like, come on, be a man, be a man, you know, like doing shit like that. Stop being, stop being a mama's boy or something like that. Like, I feel like you wouldn't tolerate it and you would end it immediately and probably, you know, file charges, but there's people who don't. And that's, that's just, that statistic is just is so sickening that women and some men will allow that to happen. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, gender discriminate, but like uh, there are some fathers who let their new significant other kind of, you know, pretend to be mom and she doesn't know how to be a mom because she's not an actual mom. She's a stepmom and all that, all that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a very uh, it's a very hot topic now, and mm-hmm. you you're in you're in the business of you know keeping these fuckers like away from all of this. And so, d- would you say you you deal mostly in in like domestic uh, cases and stuff like that, like now? So I primarily deal with uh, sexual assault of a child cases and um so my two dealings with is sexual assault and physical assault when it comes to children 17 and under the majority is sexual assault no matter how many people want to close their eyes to it it is there and the secondary part is physical abuse um and when it comes to physical abuse, as we are talking about it, that it is okay 
to discipline a child. It is okay to spank a child. It is not okay to use excessive force, you know, to injure a child or to assault a child in any manner, shape, way, or form. You know, back then, (laughs) we did get, you know, beat with the belt and (laughs) (laughs) we did get spanked we were chanclas whatever whatever was around at the time yeah yeah was around we would get all of that or as uh yeah my neighbors my neighbors across (laughs) the street they were black and uh, (laughs) the mom the mom would be like go get me a switch yes Uh, yes and so she so homeboy yes. would he would try to pick out the smallest stick and he'd come back inside and she'd be like no you need to give me a bigger switch so she, she he went and got a bigger stick and uh, that's what he got but i mean s- parental discipline is okay to an extent like you said uh spanking is legal yes now is it legal in schools so from what i do know I mean, I don't know what the, you know, signed off rights a parent has with the school in general is. I do know that, I mean, it is not right for a a teacher to spank a child. But again, if a parent does sign off their rights to say, hey, you have the authority to discipline my child, then that is between that parent that then that becomes a civil matter. Okay. Because I did see a case that happened recently uh, where a teacher was basically she she paddle boarded uh-huh. a kid, a kid in school. I don't I don't recall the grade. I, I want to say they were somewhere between first and third grade. Uh, but uh, she she paddle boarded this boy and they showed the uh, the graphic on I think it was on ABC News, like the national news. And it was uh, like these states allow it. And Texas is one of them. So we are one of those states that still to this day allows spanking in schools. Now, you and I went to a private school. Did you ever get spanked? No, I did not get spanked. But again, I was not a problematic child. (laughs) So So, because if not, I would have gotten spanked in my own household. (laughs) <laughs> okay so you didn't get spanked at school or at home okay all right it checks out same here same here i i, I was uh, <laughs> i was more problematic in school uh but i found a way to kind of meander the system and make sure that that never made its way home uh until one time i did have in school suspension <laughs> Uh, me and a couple of friends, uh, decided to go ahead and, uh, vandalize a yearbook and the owner of the damn yearbook left it behind in one class. And sure enough, he signed all of our names in it saying what we did. And, uh, yeah, so I got, I got in school suspension in middle school for that. So that was fun. (laughs) <laughs> and then and when when i got to high school i, w- I actually uh went to public high school as you know i didn't or i didn't continue on the uh catholic path so um i would go to um 
in school suspension in public school to avoid tests and homework just by not shaving. See, now that's a smart route to go. Yes, I would. I would get to sit in a room for eight hours a day, and uh, have all my homework handed to me. They'd bring. They'd bring me lunch. Uh, I got to. I got to sleep if I wanted to. The room was always cold, so I always knew to, you know, pack a hoodie. Uh, and yeah, so that that's how I avoided any kind of trouble because they never reported in school suspensions to parents. Uh, hey, uh, sorry, mom, if you're listening right now, uh, I got in school suspension a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, were you ever a troublemaker uh, in high school? Or... No, I wasn't able to because my mom was that Hispanic mom that if we were to ever get in trouble, we would get whooped like no other and we probably <laughs> wouldn't be able to go to school the next day i mean my mom we couldn't go to movies we couldn't go to sleepovers we couldn't do anything we just went to school and we went back home and that was it unless we were in after school activities like baseball or dance we would go and come and that was it we were never able to hang out with friends or anything so right right so you were very sheltered um yes i i would say i was also that's why i always acted out in school because i uh, the same same here i couldn't go anywhere oh somebody's having a party party was like a bad word you know you can't you can't go to parties because uh these people know what parties are and what happens at parties. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I was sheltered in that way also. Um, couldn't, couldn't do anything. Just, uh, just make trouble in school and just, uh -huh. you know, just come home and just act like nothing happened because I mean, they, they really didn't care as long as my grades were up. I was good. And my grades were always up because I always had that extra day to study for a test or to do homework because I was in, in school suspension for having some chin hair. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so uh, let's see since high school. Um, ba -ba -ba, I've had my ups and downs, but uh, how's, uh, how's your life been aside from your career? Um, so, Again, you know, um, high school, I was, you know, sheltered like you. I was sheltered constantly. Again, I was the only girl, sister, daughter, grandchild, great-grandchild. I was the main everything. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was always looked at no matter what. And it was just what they wanted, what they said, what they went and gone and everything. And I always, of course, wanted, I'm surprised I'm not like a boy because I grew up with, with brothers <laughs> and I grew up with brothers and I'm surprised I'm not the, you Tom know, boy. Yes, exactly. And they just wanted me to be that macho man and no, and, and, you know, you have your brothers and this and that. And I'm just like, 
I'm sorry, but I really like pink. But I'm still, <laughs> I still get beat up. So I'm going to beat up other people because I learned that. And so I learned to be tough at the same time. And when it came to finally graduating, I was just like, okay, well, where do I go from here? And what do I do? And well, do I, you know, go to a main known campus? Because of course we went to, so I went after living in the North side, our last draw with my mom, um, we were selling our house. And as we were selling our house in the North side, ghetto, Parker, right behind Gallery Furniture. I love the north side. That's where I grew up at. Yeah, that's home. That is home. We used to ride bikes everywhere, all of the above. Go to the corner store. So my mom met this man, you know, obviously became my stepdad. He wanted to get us out of, you know, the hood to a better place. And Katie, our last draw. As we were selling our house and literally putting up the spike of home for sale, this Mm -hmm. and that, selling, this woman comes out with her hand of blood cut up open from her significant other next door that she needs help and this and that. And that was my mom like, no, you see this is why we're leaving. This and that. Oh and to us, we're like, but this is home, mama. And, you know, we didn't want to leave. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so we understood. I mean, but at the same time, too, it's like, OK, yeah, let's let's go. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there comes the, the the signs, the signs that you need to leave. Um, yeah. <laughs> I had the same I had the same situation uh, because. I lived in uh, the north side, not not quite the actual north side, but uh, 45 in West Road. Uh, so I was there, you know, in Aldine School District. Uh, yet I was going to a private school because <laughs> they didn't want me to turn out like uh, my uncles. But uh, mm-hmm. so they put me in private school. But I was living, you know, and growing up in the north side with friends who went to Aldine district so you know i got i got both i got the best of both worlds you know i got the little um every every all the prissy uh fancy kids that we went to school with uh but when i came home i came home to you know down home like actual people um so when we moved we moved when i was a freshman in high school i had went to saint pius on i think i wasn't on scholarship but i was on like financial aid or something i don't know and uh i went there for one semester and i was like i told my mom i told my grandma i was like i can't take it there anymore and besides the commute is a pain in the ass i'm not waking up at five in the morning to get to school by seven so they took me out of saint pius and they put me in spring because we moved to spring in a new neighborhood. We were the only house for, you know, the whole block. It was still being developed. And um, so I, I went to spring and that's where I just kind of, um, I don't know. I want to say um, 
I I didn't learn the game, but I played the game. Like I just kind of skated. I just kind of skated by, you know. I just kind of I, I knew what public school was all about. Um, at one point, uh, I, I don't think I've ever told anyone this. Uh, during one of my classes, I walked in, and then I got counted present, and then I walked out. <laughs> I got to my car. I had a car. I had a I had a, a ninety six Ford Escort, oh, wow. and I. I drove to St. Pius and I picked up my future ex-wife and we went back to my school and I took her to the rest of my classes because public school, they really don't give a shit. <laughs> so she was with me in biology and I was like, Hey, uh, teacher, this is, uh, this is my friend. She's going to sit here with me. And I'm like, okay. Okay. So I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe it's a different generation. Maybe nobody cares. Maybe they do now. I don't know. But that was my kind of, like, I didn't care. I didn't care about, like, the rules because they were, at in, in public schools, they were meant to be bent, kind of. Like, there was no real harsh punishment unless you did something really bad. Like, I mean, um... I used to smoke cigarettes in the bathroom and nobody cared. There was no, no teachers or anybody checking for any of that. That's where I picked up smoking and like, I never did weed or anything, but like I picked up smoking cigarettes in, in the bathroom at a high school. So like I, I, I was bad as far as I could take it to not be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And you were you were a perfect angel throughout <laughs> throughout your uh, your high school career. Sadly, yes, but I mean, in so from going to Catholic school again, like you, you know, I went to quote unquote public school in the Katy area, which was nothing but primarily white area yes yes and you know when if you look at me you would see me as snow white like i am wet as it comes (laughs) um like like they wouldn't even believe that i was gonzalez with an s and but when they look at me and Back then, we were literally discriminated, sadly, as Hispanic. And my brother being on team and other, you know, sports of baseball, he was just put in the dugout the entire time. It took me forever to be on the dance team because I just couldn't make it because I was Hispanic. My little brother wouldn't make football because he was, again, brown. Like, all of us just make it for ourselves because of our name. And it sucked. And it was just like, well, what are we even doing here? Because back then, it was literally all about race. Even our neighbors, we put up a basketball goal and our neighbors called the cops on us saying that hoodlums. Oh, my God. We're playing basketball 
in the street. And we had to call our mom out to say that we live there because they <laughs> they called the cops on us. And it sucked. And it was just like no one would believe. It. Like I remember telling my best friend from C and Jennifer Ariaga that. Oh, shout out Jennifer A. Yeah. <laughs> that I was just apparently too white or too Hispanic to live in a white neighborhood. And it sucked because. They just saw us as our color. And like I said, I'm literally as white as a ghost because I sure as hell don't have a tan. Yeah, yeah. But my brown brunette hair, my name, everything was just not good enough. Wow. And uh, to that point, yeah, uh, I I know that that's how Katie can be. Um I have a lot of family who is actually in Katie and uh, they, uh, you know, they skated by, I guess. I don't know. I never really asked them, but um, they, uh, uh, they're Escareños. So uh, I don't know if they had any kind of adversity issues, but it seems like they did pretty good. seems like they did pretty good. Um, so, Talk me through what happened, or at least what led you, or, okay, where were you in your life when, how old is your son now? He will be 10 in June. Good God, a whole decade. <laughs> Can yeah. you believe it? Oh my God. No, I can't. I was just, I was just talking to friends about, uh. Uh, some some friends I used to work with about a decade ago, and I was just like, "Hey, y'all, remember when I was in my Xterra and I was playing this new Kendrick Lamar album and <laughs> blah blah blah?" Like we we're just reminiscing on stuff, and uh, I hopefully have mm-hmm. I'm gonna get them on the pod one day. But uh, so, what was uh, I mean? I don't want to say how did that happen because <laughs> we obviously know how that happened, but. Uh, <laughs> What uh what what happened there? Like what um what changed you uh ten years ago? How did your life change for the better ten years ago? Like how did he start in general or I don't know, whatever you want to tell me. Um so me and his dad, we were together. Oh, geez. How long? We were. How long would I say? I would say. We were together for three years. Mm-hmm. We were together for three years. And, and this then... is po- this is post high school, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So okay. this was college years. This okay. is college years. Yeah. We, he was in his fraternity. I was in my sorority. That's how we met. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It was a brother or sister thing? Yeah. We, well, no, not really, but um, friends just introduced us. And um, we got along great. Everything, we, we were just friends and we started dating. We were together for three years and, 
um, throughout the three years, I found out he was cheating, and at that end of the three-year level, I was like, you know what? I'm done. We're we're done. It's over and done with. Mm-hmm. And he agreed to it, <laughs> and sure enough, um, not even within the next day, I started becoming um, nauseous, and I was sick. I was sick to my stomach, and um, he and went. for perspective, what year is this? This was oh shit, twenty ten. Okay. All right. Yeah, 2010. Okay. From 2008 to 2010-ish. And um, he ended up dumping me off at a hospital. And that's whenever I found out I was pregnant. What? He dumped you at a hospital? Mm-hmm. So he actually went with me. And so this was... <laughs> it's funny the nurse was like or the doctor was like okay yeah you have acid reflux we're gonna prescribe you with you know um omeprazole we're gonna prescribe you with all these acid reflux medicines and this and that but we're gonna you know just take your pregnant we're, we're gonna do a pregnancy test on you and I was like okay that's fine and <laughs> as I peed on in a cup she literally sticks her head out of the damn door and says you're pregnant and i thought she was talking to some other girl behind me and i just kept walking by and whenever they came into the room and told me that i was pregnant he left the room and wait wait whoa whoa hold on hold on hold on hold on she she stuck her head in the door while she while, literally yes while you were peeing into the cup she told you professional yes unprofessional said you're pregnant and again I was 23 years old I wasn't no 16 barefoot pregnant and she just said this and I was just like wait what no I said I'm I'm acid reflux <laughs> And the doctor just scribbled out acid reflux and put prenatal. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, it went from heartburn to, to uh, childbirth. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yep. So. Okay. So, um, obviously, <laughs> you have to gestate for nine months. What were those nine months like for you? So I threw up for the first four months because I was just sick of everything that my son wanted. Till this day, he still absolutely loves (laughs) orange juice, any acidic stuff my son is obsessed with. And that's everything that I threw up with. Um, Everything was good. Everything. The, the, you know, the parties, the gender reveal, which was just a, back then, it was just a, hey, it's a boy, 
and nowadays they have the balloon reveals they yeah. have the smoke they no have yeah everything. we we gotta stop those we gotta stop those they have everything nowadays i think i think more people have died from uh from gender reveals than from uh police violence mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ridiculous these gender reveals but anyway continue yeah so we had everything going for us um the day that he was coming up due so his um due date is when he actually was born so he was born on a lunar eclipse he was born on his due date he was born on everything that can be a manager can be everything you know imagine um and I became the exorcist that day as well because it was horrible pain. Um, his dad wasn't all there because back then he was young and dumb and uh, had his whole mindset on drugs and all of that. Mm. So, um, again, my mom was there the entire time. And I had my son and everything was perfect. I so you there. had it so you had oh wait sorry sorry to interrupt but so you had him and uh did you how did you sign the birth certificate so we had to actually wake him up because he was uh high and oh, Jesus fuck. <laughs> yeah he was high so we had to wake him up actually we had to wake him up during the delivery too and to tell him hey <laughs> hold her leg up because she's pushing so he was high for that too um and then throughout the entirety of my son's first couple months all he noticed or recognized my son's obviously his dad as was with smoke um so it took three years until he was getting older and um, my son's dad decided to join the fire academy. And with the fire academy, of course, I was a stay-at-home mom. But at the same time, too, like I said before, wait, like our first little couple seconds. I was a bartender. I was a waitress. I was everything to do with just hustling. And he did the whole fire academy. And out of 30-some guys, there was only two females. One female obviously dropped out. The other female decided, hey, I think I want to pursue this one guy, which was obviously my son's dad. Mm -hmm. And that's where it all went downhill. Really? So he he fell that easily. Mm-hmm. Six years. Even though he's got a baby mama and a son. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. In between <sighs> that, we did go through an apartment fire. Apartment fire? What the? F- what? When? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um. I did graduate from college, and before that, 
I had, um, we were in an apartment and the apartment complex that we were in, there was an apartment unit that was like catty corner way across the way. That there was this one little unit that I guess decided to grow a meth lab or something. Oh, shit. <laughs> and they had an apartment fire explosion. So the fire just trickled down and down and down. And our apartment was the last one. And that was where everything that we had, like, that I had, basically. Because, I mean, I love, I'm an old school, I'm an old soul. Like, I love holding on to every little thing. Same. And everything was just gone. Surprisingly, except my son's birth certificate, you know, his, just his little things and like my great grandma's little booties that she had knitted for him. Mm-hmm. It was just like little sentimental things that was surprisingly held intact. Yeah. And um, I was able to keep them, but everything else was just gone. Like all my portraits, all my <coughs> uh, pictures, everything was done. But um, yeah, we gone through that. And then after that, we went through um, a, a rental home that we had rented. And that's whenever he joined the, the fire academy. So he joins the fire academy and um, he's, um, is he at that time being like a present father? Is he being like uh Sorry, I'm stuck with you because of this, or what? What's the what's the situation like? Um, so he was still there. He was still accountable, I guess you could say. He was, hey, I'm here for dinner. Hey, what did you cook? Hey, I'm gonna mm. go to bed. Hey, <laughs> I have a class in the morning. He was just like a husband that wasn't a husband, right? No, I mean, no, as a husband, uh, as a previous husband, that we're kind of the same. <laughs> What's for dinner? Uh, how soon can I get to bed? Mm-hmm. Basically a scumbag. That's why I'm divorced. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what I started noticing was I... I noticed that so he was the the class president or the the class the the main class person of their class and again like I said there was only first two females involved and then all of a sudden there was only one so I was like okay I get it they're gonna reach out to you they're gonna you know ask you for questions they're gonna ask you for all this and that I get it but again, I, you know, we have our son, you know, we, I need to reach out to you, this and that. And at that time too, I was a bartender and I would work on the weekends. So on the weekends, he would go out with his friends, with the classmates. Right. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I made sure that my son would be with my mom. 
so I found everything so he can have fun, so I can make money, so he can go and spend it, basically. Jesus. <laughs> and at first, I didn't care because I was just like, you know what? This is my little getaway, too, because I loved bartending. I loved, you know, just making money. And it apparently wasn't good enough. And um, whenever I would get back home, the house would be a mess. So apparently, so they would go to the apartment or to the house and they would pre-drink. And then they would go out and drink. And then they would go back to our house, drink more, and then they would leave. So when I would get home, sober as ever, I would just see everything. And I'm just like, okay, wait a minute. Like, you're out having fun, and I can't even go out on a night with you as my significant other, this and that. So I kind of started seeing it as a problem. Mm-hmm. And he would just like, no, these are my friends and this and that. And, you know, if you have a problem, like, that's your fault. So there was a time, finally, um, I got off work early, bartending. So I called him and I'm like, hey, I'm off work. Where where can I meet you? And I hear this girl's voice. Hello? Who's this? Who's calling him? And I'm like, wait a minute. Whoa. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Uh, well, hello? Like, is this the wrong number? And she's like, and she gives the phone to him. And then he's like, hello? And I'm like, hey, I'm trying to see where y'all are at. Again, nonchalant. I'm very calm. I'm like, hey, I'm trying to see where y'all are at. Because I'm, I'm, they let me go off early. Can I join y'all? And then you hear her still in the background. Who's calling you? Who are you talking to? And this and that. So then that's whenever I kind of jump my voice. I was like, you know what? No. Who is that? Who Who is asking me who I am? Right, right. And he said, you know what? I don't need this right now and hung up on me. What the fuck? Yeah, and then that's whenever he turned off his phone, and that was it for the night. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to keep working for the rest of the night. But you were willing to get off early and go hang. Yeah, because I never got to hang out with his friends and... All of that. Did you know his friends like prior to and did so you I, know what his circle was? Yeah, I did know his friends and his and like his good friends. And um after that whole deal, whenever I did go home, I found hair ties and bobby pins. Oh, and this girl's a blonde hair girl and I'm a brunette girl (laughs) so I found blonde hair ties blonde bobby pins and then hand gloves because it was during the winter time 
and like dog hair on the gloves and we don't have a dog we don't have a cat we don't have anything and he just denied everything and I was just like okay and I just kept at it I just kept just letting it and letting it and letting it and again because he you know was a the apparent breadwinner money winner and whatnot well, yeah, he was doing nothing. He was like in uh, training school, right? Mm-hmm. But he was taking advantage of you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yep. Oh, my God. So, uh, so uh, at what point do you have to call it quits? So, I called it quits. When he turned off his phone and I went to sleep and no, actually, yeah, I turned off, he turned off his phone and I called his family to come over and his family came over and they just consoled me and said, it's okay. Like he's hanging out with his friends. It's whatever. And left it alone. And then, um, he came home. Her car was in my driveway. Her car? Who's her? The girl that he was with. The blonde? Yeah, the blonde. Jesus. The blonde that he was with. And she was there or she you know her car was there because she went out with whatever friend and stuff and that was it and I kept telling him I'm like I know you're cheating on me I know what he, what's going on and he was just like you know what I don't love you I don't this and that and I'm done with you and I kept trying and trying and after six years I was trying and six years yeah because so for three years I was with him and then I was with him for three more years whenever my son was three years old right mm-hmm. so six years total so I kept just trying and he was just like no no, I'm not happy. I'm done with you. And all I had to do, and I, 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 I kept trying. I was just like, no, I love you. You know, I want to make it work. And what it, what do you need? Blah, blah. Nope. It wasn't oh, working. my God. Yeah. So, Beneha. So then he just was like, no, I'm done with you. So I said, you know what? Okay. So I called my mom <laughs> and my dad, and I said, I'm done. I didn't even have to say anything else while he was at work. They came with U-Haul trucks, with their trucks, with my brother's trucks, and they said, pack it up. Pack what you need. And that was it, and I left. I left the man cave. I left my bedroom set because God knows what happened in, in there. Oh, oh God. Yeah, yeah. I left the washroom. I left the kitchen. 
All I took was the living room and my son's room. Yeah. And I said, I don't want anything else. I don't. I don't. So, all I had was $800. And that was the weekend I was supposed to start the academy, the police academy. Oh, shit. The police academy. That it was going to take two weeks to start my paycheck. I went to an apartment complex. I said, this is all I have. What can you do? And they gave me a two-bedroom apartment. They said, we won't let him in. Give us your information. This is it. And I said, okay. And I started the the police academy on Monday. And then on Monday, sure enough. So give us your spiel. Where are you from? Who are you with? What's your relationship? I was the only single mom. I was the only one without a significant other. I was literally like the ugly duckling. Of what I had. And here I am now. Yeah, but you've made so much of yourself since then. So, I mean. But uh, my question to you is, uh, is he still in the picture? He is when he wants to be so deadbeat basically no I wouldn't call it that so he will claim and he he is apparently busy as he is so he was HFD and did become HFD until an ex of his claimed that she he beat him beat her up oh that's not good. And then he lost his job, and then now he has his job back again. Oh, okay. I guess we're desperately in need of uh, firefighters. So he has it back again. So that's where he's at. Alright, so that that's terrible. That, I mean, I don't know from experience, personally. Uh, Well, I mean, I guess being a uh, bastard, uh, you know, single mother, I don't know who my father is. Uh, I asked one time, but I was super drunk, and I don't remember the answer. So... um, I guess from my experience, I, I really don't um, care anymore. Now, does your son see him at all? So my son, my son does see him. And he knows that that's his dad. No matter what, at the end of the day, that that's his dad. But, like, let's just say if 
you were to say, oh, that's my uncle, oh, that's my grandma, that's that name perspective that he gives. You, you get me? Yeah, I I see what you're saying. He's right. he's 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 a part of my life, but he's not like that, that much. That he's not name. that much of a part of my life. Yeah, that's that name title. But Mama, my name is Mama, <laughs> is my son's name for me. That is his. It his everything is me is Mama, and yeah. even if he is with him. When am I going to mama? That is his everything. So I can never get a break and I never want one because I don't I don't mind it. That's my son. That's his comfort. I'm his comfort and I love it. What do you mean you can never get a break? What do you what does that mean? I <laughs> I have him day in and day out. Um I <laughs> wake up and take him to school and go to work and get off work and come pick him up and come home and take him to baseball and uh, like that's his normal if he were to ever break off his normal he's just like okay well when am I going to mom's when when am I going back to mama like I don't I, I honestly don't have a break yeah but I mean you're a full time like good mom you it's kind of your job yeah i and i mean i don't i don't hate it or anything it's just something that's like i'd rather have it because he has that comfort in me so what uh what okay all right so He's out of the picture, basically, right? Or does he get him on weekends, or is there a visitation? What's that like? So, of course, as every father, um, with court ordered, they usually have the first, third, and fifth of the month. First, third, and fifth weekend of the month, as he does. Um, we just basically have, like, a regular, if you know, he can get him, then he will. Um, so let's just say he's gonna get him tomorrow after my son gets off of school. And then he's gonna keep him for the following day. And then I'll get him after. Okay. All right. So how do you feel about that? Like what? I mean, knowing that he's uh, the type to abandon uh, how do you feel about that? It kind of isn't fair because, um, you know, I have a lot that I have on my plate as well that I can do with my time being. And, um, I don't get that time at all. Or even when it comes to even, let's just say nap time, because, you know, I have to be on edge, like, okay, wait, I have to go, still go to this nap and still get my son afterwards. And it just, it's kind of hard on me because I don't ever get that time for myself. Like, I don't get to do my nails on my own time, or I don't get to do my hair on my own time, or anything like that 
And even whenever my son is gone from the house for more than a day, let's just say, all I do is literally wash clothes or, you know, do the entire dishwash and like everything. Yeah. So you do a majority of the work and all he's doing is babysitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That That's totally. I mean, I understand where that where that. where that goes uh because of my own brother his uh his circumstance um you know he raises the kid he's got two (laughs) imagine if he had two uh he's got them full time and yet uh all of a sudden there's these uh stimulus checks that come out for having children and hey guess what baby mama who has not been present comes out the woodwork and now she's filing all kinds of like i want to say lawsuits um i don't really know the legal term for them uh but yeah so she's doing all she can to capitalize off of being the mother even though she has not been a mother at all mm-hmm. throughout this throughout this whole thing, so when I hear of um uh, you know these weekend parents i just i just i'm like fuck you you're you're i mean i that's my generalization uh i i didn't have weekend parents uh you know uh but if I did, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're taking me to the zoo. Okay, cool. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, all that matters is your your home. Your home is with your mother who has raised you all this time. And that's what you abide by. And you you have involved him in, in sports. I've seen it. Uh, you got him in baseball. That's fucking amazing. That's, that's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're the baseball mom, you know, you, you, you drag him around. He, I don't know if you drag him. Does he like sports? So he actually really does like sports. Good. I'm okay. the one that's just like, <laughs> just let's go. We're, we have this and that and he's like okay let's go like he is very energetic so that's how he lets it out okay so that's good that's good mm-hmm. i mean yeah and baseball is probably the safest one because uh football is i don't know something else football is weird but yeah. um would you put him in football so I've thought of that, but he's kind of more of a mama's boy. <laughs> and I I mean it's scared as I'm scared as it is to have him in baseball. Oh, really? Yeah, with with I mean the balls thrown at the face as it is, like no, it's hard. So I mean football no crashed. Yeah, see, I mean, I I feel like the more that we learn about what happens in the long term of kids who are put in football, it's not very good. 
It's not very good. They'll they'll get you know, they're good. They're gonna have some concussions. <coughs> oh oh, excuse you. Excuse me. <laughs> Jesus, I'm coughing all over my podcast. <laughs> no, but anyway, so um, yeah, no, baseball is probably the safest, and I have learned by watching a lot of baseball that a lot of those guys are mama's boys so it's cool they make 300 million for nine years that's good exactly i'm i'm ready to have his last name or his name on a jersey at the minute maid park yeah yeah i mean you can do that right now it's it just costs like 10 bucks extra. <laughs> I can make it myself too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. What do you you you're you're, <laughs> you're uh you're a uh, uh hardcore police detective and also a uh side businesswoman. So, I do make um t-shirts, koozies, cups, mugs anything anything you name it and it's funny because like a lot of people on etsy they just have these main you know images that this is what you get this is the colors and this and that and it's over and done with but me i do (laughs) go over and board with and i make anything and everything um down to jean jackets and it 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 is a handful sometimes you made a shirt you made a shirt for my grandmother which she really loves and she wears it a lot so yeah that's really cool i was so great so glad i could link up with you and uh and get that done what i do also like doing that a lot of people don't know is recreating um either signatures or um, handwriting of their sig- not autographs yes of people that have passed on and um, they no longer get to you know see that little writing of their loved ones and I do love making those onto certain little things that they can hold on forever yeah yeah no those keepsakes are really cool yes and uh what uh it's funny because uh for mother's day one of my cousins he uh he went to build a bear and he built a bear that was my grandfather you know because my grandfather Mm -hmm. passed my grandfather passed in uh september last year Uh uh so he made a build a bear of my grandfather with no shirt, jeans, <laughs> chanclas, and when you squeeze the hand, uh, it was an audio clip that he had gotten from some video or something. And so my grandmother just she cries every time she hears it. It's it's amazing. Like that's perfect. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just those little things. I mean, um, I've lost a lot in the last few years of my life, last few months of my life, actually. Jesus. Oh my God. I can't believe it's been months. Uh, but, uh, yeah, those little things really, really do matter. And, um, commemorating, uh, you know, people past, present, whatever, if you want to, you want to make something to, uh, 
to uh, commemorate them. Uh, you want to check out uh, what's your what's your website? Um, so I am on uh, Instagram. It's Eski E S K I underscore Customs C U S T O M S. And again, just like you know, you have had it just to commemorate of any loved ones, any way, shape, or form of mugs, of t-shirts, anything possible. I, I, I love making memories last forever, just like you, you know, especially with your grandfather. I had my grandfather as well, and it sucks because I didn't do this you know, back then, whenever he was alive, and I wish I would have, but um, I love memories lasting forever. I love making memories last forever. Yeah, and they really do. They really do, especially with the things that you make. Uh, I've seen a lot of. Uh, um, what do you do? You do. You also do like weddings and stuff, right? Like engagements and weddings and. So I can do shot glasses or champagne glasses or koozies, um, the the um, robes, any anything like that as well, yeah. or even um, uh, boards. Whenever you come in and and it's like welcome to so and so's wedding or bachelorette party or you know bridal shower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that's really cool because i mean um that's that's in demand that that is super in demand people love their instagram photos they want they want their uh you know their thing m- memorialized in an instagram photo of uh some sort of print or it's some what's sort done of... nowadays because we never had that back then like we just you know exactly we just had it word of mouth or, you know, um, barely even a website that doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Yeah. 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 No. So, I mean, it's, it's word of mouth. It's Instagram, uh, communication, super easy. Uh, you know, and I'm sure you accept all sorts of payments like PayPal or cash app or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm, correct. But again, I'm very um, humble when it comes to payment methods, because like I said, I, I wish that that stuff was there back then when I needed it the most. And so now that I can do it, I just want to give back to everyone uh, that needs the most and at a very <laughs> uh, humble price, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, something affordable, something memorable. I mean, because a lot of places charge so much more than what you charge. Exactly. Yeah. All right, well, here we are. We're coming up on our 2-hour mark. Is there <laughs> anything else you want to you want to say to the crowd? You want to plug or anything? Um I kind of do want to bring up the entire police officer force 
um, when it comes to people not trusting officers nowadays. Um, and I get it. And, you know, with everything going on, it's hard to trust officers as it is in general. Right. And to me, me as it is going into any call, any, you know, me as an uniformed officer, anything in general, I feel like I would want to present myself as someone that my family would entrust in. Right. And, um, and I get it with the George Floyd, with, you know, everything bring being brought against us. You know, what do you, I, what do you, what do you think about the George Floyd, uh, case? Uh, oh, was that, no, was that clear cut? Yeah. That clear? No, yes. He, he deserved everything. That officer did, did very well, deserved everything that, you know, he was brought against him. Um, the, the trial was very well. Verdict was perfect guilty. Yes. He did, he did sit on his neck. That is not we what we are learned to do we are not learned and there we were did. three there were three officers and this one guy decided to sit on his neck for nine minutes mm -hmm. and, it, and it does suck because there are other officers that will stand by and just like freak honestly they they probably did freak out like holy crap what is he doing what what's going on like i mean he's bigger he's stronger than us or yes, i mean exactly. you know so mm -hmm. exactly and and it sucks because it and it could be a quote unquote what we call them old heads what do you do what 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 do you go against him do you push him off like and it it's hard at that point for obviously those officers but for me i would have i, I would have pushed him off yeah and you know because he's obviously detained he's obviously handcuffed I right would, and what we're taught once you detain a quote-unquote suspect you put them on their side so they can breathe so they can you know exhale inhale oxygen so that they're able to breathe so they're able to talk and then whenever they get into but violence, but but that was that was their defense. Uh, he was able to talk because he was he had the knee on his neck and he said he couldn't breathe. So that was their defense. Uh huh. And I did see that too. But still, once he said I can't breathe, no, there there's still no for me, me personally, I would have still. Had him on his side. Yeah. Me. Personally. But I mean, like the whole thing was kind of bullshit anyway. <laughs> I hate to say it. I mean, it was, it was a twenty dollar for like, fucking no. twenty dollar bill. No, exactly, exactly. But from from what I saw, he had already had that 
premature whatever bullshit that they knew him or he knew him from a club, whatever the fuck. No. Yeah. Did you hear about that? Yeah, no, I did hear that he has some priors and that uh, there was some altercation between him and the police prior. Mm-hmm. So they treated him as uh, an aggressive, uh, I don't know, suspect or whatever. No, he was he was very. To me, he was calm. But I mean, again, on trial, that um, one person from the what is it called? Forensics? No, from the store said, no, I mean, he came in, he gave this bill, he, you know, he's out, and, but still, whenever he left, from being pulled out of a vehicle, so, okay, despite, okay, let, okay, everything happened, everything happened, everything is surpassed. Coming down to the riots in Houston. Yes. Let's talk about that. That was in the uh, summertime, right? June. My birthday June. time. Let's talk about oh, that. Oh, okay. Let's talk about that. Okay. So, they, again, me as an investigator, me as a non-uniform officer investigator they're like we need you we need y'all to come to this location in case so and so such and such happens olives are there olives are there lined up we are ready we're barricaded we're, we're there because again protesters are happening correct so you're in riot gear? We have riot gear ready, just in case. So we have our helmets. We have our shields. Some of us have our shields because, again, the city isn't always ready and and funded for all of that. Mm. For everything to happen. But we are there because... The city has a right to protest, correct? Yes. And we were there for them to protest. And we were lined up against the whole entire, you know, downtown area. Yeah, I was going to say, where were you uh, specifically? Were you by City Hall or or where were you? I was by the um, 1200 Travis which is the main headquarters of HPD. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us investigators were there, and seeing them walk by, holding their hand up was honestly mesmerizing. Like, it was just, I felt like I was in history in the making. Like, you know, whenever we would see pictures in our history books that seem at Seton mm-hmm. of 
everyone standing up for their rights. Like protesters and yes. civil, civil rights movement and all that. Yeah. Yeah. The parks, all of the above, I felt that. And I just felt honored to just be with it. And sadly, you know, I knew at the end of the day, they didn't feel that I was, you know, there with them <laughs> because they felt like I wanted to harm them. And, but Yeah, I mean, it's that, it's that thin blue line. I mean, the cops uh, can be uh, villainized, you know. You, you you if you're there you're you're the bad guy i mean we saw the bad guy kill exactly. an, innocent, an innocent man and uh here you are our version of of uh of uh what's his name derek chauvin mm -hmm. you know so they 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 would see you as uh the villain exactly and it hurt because it was just like i mean i would i would you know be with them the same way if if it happened to my family but even then it's just like okay it sucks because i'm on work orders to be here as an officer but at the same time too we're still here to protect you to protest your rights and let you speak your voice did it get violent at all yes it did um, I did have an officer next to me, um, that they were very voicing their opinions out at, and, um, we had, we, we did have to, like, pull him back because we could see that, you know, looking at him, um. Hey, 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 you're cutting out, you're cutting out. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, um, we, I did, I did have um, an um, a friend next to me that that they were very well, um, you know, saying their expressions of how they felt about them, even though they had nothing to do with anything. And we did have to pull that officer back. Because we did notice that they were just, you know, going right after him. Because he was white or what? Um. Well, actually, he was he was a Hispanic individual. He he was heavy set. I I didn't see the significance of it actually. Um. But they did go after him about saying, you know, that you're, you're. You're against our, you know, black individuals and it's not, and honestly, he was just literally standing there. Yeah. He he was, like I said, a heavy set white male that had nothing to do with anything. He didn't even respond to anything at all. But again, we understand that they, if if they pinpoint someone and go after them, you know, we we allow them that that's it. They they want to um, express their feelings. Yeah, they can shout and holler, but exactly. as long as they don't physically react, exactly. 
That's wild. I don't. It, it was it was crazy, but at the same time too, it was very historical. It, it to me, like I said, I would see everyone just walk through the streets with their hand held up high, holding a fist, just in injustice, and it just to me it felt awesome. As despite them not believing that I was technically there with them, I just felt. It felt awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, uh, like I, I mean, like I said, excuse me, like I said at the beginning of the pod, uh, you are one of the most interesting people that I want to interview because of everything that's going on. And I want to get your side. I want to get, I'm going to get, you know, what, what happens not behind the scenes, but like your your train of thought, everything that happens um, prior to these things that happen, like uh, George Floyd was a big example. Uh, obviously, it had an impact on you, and uh, not even t- what was it, ten miles down the road, homeboy got shot when the lady thought it was a taser. Now tell me as an officer, how do you confuse that? So, um, what do you want me to go forth with George Floyd or the taser part? Taser taser on, um, on the boy that got shot in Minnesota. So the taser part, from what we see on the body cam, she, so, okay. Okay, okay, let's just say from from the, the get-go. Um, from what I saw, you know, it's, a, it's an ordinary traffic stop. He immediately went, from what I remember, he went to his vehicle, um... That female alone was uh, individually. The officers in that scene alone were trying to pull him out of the vehicle, you know, to just get him out. And from what What, I get him out, get him out. Why though? So, okay. Let's just say because we don't know what's in the vehicle. We don't know if there's a weapon in the vehicle alone. Already, regardless, he is being detained. So for, he's so he's automatically a threat. From whatever the stop was in general, they already got him out of the vehicle. And let's just say, hey, what's your name? What's this and that? And he, if he retreats to the vehicle, to us, it's like, wait. What is he retreating to the vehicle for? Right. He could be reaching for a weapon, right? It, what 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 is he retreating to the vehicle for in general? Because if we have him outside of the vehicle asking him questions, he's fine, everything's cool. Okay, cool. We're we're talking to him. But for him to go back into the vehicle, it's like, okay, wait a minute. 
what's going wait what what are you doing you know so for him to go back that's when that officer is like i'm going to tase you i'm going to tase you get out of the vehicle get out of the vehicle she from again this is different from hpd our tasers and our weapons are on different sides of the belt from i mean I, I don't know what sides of their weapons are and what size of their tasers are. Mm-hmm. Our tasers are across our body. Our weapons are on our right or hip do- dominant side of the hip. Yeah. So apparently from what the video shows, she pulls out her weapon. But she does say, I'm going to tase you. I'm going to tase you, taser, taser, taser. From what we are taught is before we tase, we state taser, taser, taser. And that's what exactly she stated. But but she was holding a black she was pistol her in her hand. She was holding her weapon. Correct. So... I can't speak for her. I can't speak for any of them. But from her reaction after he did, you know, take off, she did state, I shot him. You know, she her reaction was like, holy shit, I shot him. Mm-hmm. You know, and... You could tell, I mean, you know, it wasn't like, okay, this is what I meant to happen. I mean, from my perspective. From the public's perspective, really. I mean, you don't don't have any other inside uh, access as, you know, we do. I mean, we we saw it. We saw it happen. Exactly. Um, And see, like, y'all. Y'all see our, you know, y'all see the camera, you know, y'all see everything. We see the camera, but we don't feel the emotion. Don't feel exactly. So, okay. Let's just say, okay. So she was confused. She must have been very confused if she mistook her taser for her, what, Glock? What do y'all carry? Uh, I mean, we carry different types of um, weapons. What kind? Uh, so I carry uh Smith and Wesson uh M and P. Okay. With a with a red dot. What's the uh What's the uh, caliber on that? It's a nine. Okay, so you carry a nine, and uh, does it have safety? Uh, no, it doesn't. Okay. But yeah. I mean, then my um holster it does, so I have to kind of um. Oh, yeah. You got to kind of maneuver to get that holster out, to get the pistol out. Yeah. It's not just to pull it out and do it. Yeah. Yeah. I've already tried. (laughs) (laughs) That's another story for another day. Yeah. It's it's not a pull it out and shoot. It's it's literally like you have to. You got to like squeeze and do all kinds of maneuvering to get the pistol out of the holster. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, carry on. 
<laughs> so um let's just it it just depends on so okay so i'll i'll tell you about um a time i had so there was a time um that i had um an individual what apparently maneuvering in and out of traffic on 45 southbound and I took the call and um, I arrived and I was the only one on the call as a female, as an officer, as everything. And I was in the, my vehicle was in the inbound lane. He was on the outbound lane of 45 South. If you can imagine that. Yeah. Wow. Us was the HOV lane. Yeah. So I jumped the HOV lane. So I was in the HOV lane and I was talking to him. And I tried looking for his vehicle because I was like, okay, if there's a man, there's a vehicle where what what's going on? Is there a breakdown? <clears throat> and he just started grabbing his head and he's like, you can't help me. There's no one to help me. And I just need God and this and that. And, and so I'm just like, wait a minute. He, you know, he he's he has a CIT, which to us is like uh, critical inter- intervention. You know, it's like okay, I need to call someone, and I'm like, I need other units. I need this and this to block off the lanes, and. He just looked at me and he's just like, you can't help me. So then he started walking into the street. And into the freeway. Oh, shit. So I jumped over the ledge of the HOV lane. No. Yes. I jumped into the over the HOV lane. And I started flickering my flashlight. And I'm like, come over here. Come to me. And th- and I'm trying to help him and help him and help him. When he saw that, he went into the other lane. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what, what am I doing? You know, and I, I have my son and this and that. And I heard the tire screeching. I just heard tire screeching. So I immediately just jumped into the HOV lane and then bam, a car crashed into where I was at. As soon as I jumped over, hit him, crashed into the wall, kept going, spun out of control and then smashed into the wall again. And I'm just here by myself and I'm just like, wait a minute, what the hell just happened? So there I go. I'm an officer. I start grabbing flares like Jurassic Park. 
I I grab flares and just start, you know, blocking off the freeway. And then officers start pulling up and they're like, what happened? What happened? And I just point to the freeway. After I block off the freeway and they're just like, get in, go, go over there to the wall. And I just, you know, collapse on the wall. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, what the hell just happened? And the whole time, the the person that, you know, ran into the guy is like, I I ran into the cop. Where are they? And this and that. And what did I do? And, you know, they're obviously freaking out, thinking that they killed a cop. And I'm over here safe and sound, and I'm just like, I'm I'm as scared as you. I don't know what happened. And that's what made me go to psych services, because it was just like, at the end of the day, I had to hold myself together to pull that scene together. Yeah. To let them know, like, this is what happened. For me to get home at the end of the day because he would have pulled me to the freeway. Yeah. Yeah. On uh, to oncoming traffic. Yeah. Oncoming traffic. So uh, so take us through what is um what is that like after you admit yourself to that? So whenever I went to <coughs> psych services, um you know, they asked me my backstory and how I became an officer and this and that. And I honestly didn't want to stay there for long because I was just like, wait a minute. Why? Like, again, my backstory about my son and my son's dad started coming forth. And I God damn. Why are and they talking hurt, about that? And it hurt me more because I was like, this had nothing to do with my it's, son. It's irrelevant. What the fuck are they doing? Exactly. So honestly, I left. I honestly left because what hurt me the most was me saving this guy named Michael. They wanted to kill himself because he swallowed an eight ball. Oh, Jesus. He saw God and he wanted God to save him. That's what took him. The eight ball. Not me, not God, not anyone. But that's what pissed me off about psych services was because they wanted to drill into my life. And not drill into this other person's life. Right. And that's what hurt me the most. Is because, honestly, I wanted to learn about this guy's life. I wanted to know about this guy's life. Yeah. Not about my life. Fuck my life. Like, I, I felt like I was pretty secure. You know? Like, I felt like I was. Yeah, but do you really, do you really want to learn about it? I mean, come on. No, Do you I know, really. I, don't, no, I mean, not anymore. No, 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 not anymore. I learned enough. I, I dig, dig, I did, dig, I you, did you've, dig deep. 
Yeah, so I would imagine that you've kind of uh, given up on some backstories here and there. Mm-hmm. For the but sake of time. for the sake of yourself, because you deal with so much trauma, I feel like you might as well be. I mean, fucking in Afghanistan post nine eleven. You know what I mean? Like all the shit that you go through is is terrifying and is traumatic and it it's not normal for you as a human being to deal with stuff like that Mm -hmm. but i mean they got hey they got they got uh some people who will uh be like uh yeah you're all right or yeah here's some drugs or something you know not even, no, not even, no. As much as I wish. Like, and it's as much because, as you wish? What? Like, no, so, okay, so whenever the guy killed himself. Oh, fuck. So, so okay, it it is what it is. The guy killed himself, okay? Yes, and, and I would not be able to recover from that, but you like, did somehow. I literally saw him. Yes. Drop. By yes. vehicle up and down. Yes. And God damn it. I told the person, I said, I can't sleep because I feel like, to me, honestly, me as a female, I wanted to grab him and pull him over to the HOV. It's not even a female thing. I feel like you telling me this story makes me want to fucking save someone who's about to get obliterated by a goddamn vehicle. You coming. would have grabbed him. Like it, it just it just seems so like innate. It just seems like I want to not have PTSD for the rest of my life. But he didn't. He he had his see, and that's what like hurts me too because he had already his his story he he called HPD and said please tell my family I'm sorry please oh, tell this and this I'm sorry but when HPD showed up he said I didn't call I didn't say any of that he acted so different because, again, he was already on the eight ball. So, but again, me, if I would have grabbed him, he would have grabbed me and pulled me into the freeway. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. And it's scary, but he would have. Because I would have stopped him and that's not what he wanted. He wanted, he already knew he wanted to hurt himself. He knew he wanted to kill himself. So me stopping him, he would have stopped me from killing himself. And he would have killed me too. And I would have been the one on the freeway too. So, and it gets me emotional. But when he killed himself, the the, the, past, the, the driver was like, I, I killed a cop. I killed a cop. And I saw her flashlight because he saw my flashlight. And 
I said, I'm okay, I'm okay. Just get over the freeway with me, get over the HOV lane. And then there I go, start throwing the flares. I, I started throwing the flares. My sergeant grabbed me and said, you're done. You're done. Get in my car and you're done. And that's whenever I started bawling. Because me, I mean, you know, I I, I dealt with enough. But to deal with someone that wanted to kill himself, he, he had it in his mindset. And for me to intervene, I would have died with him. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I guess I know how the cops feel when they uh, came to my house. Did I ever tell you that story? Tell me now. Huh? Tell me now. <laughs> uh, this was less than a year ago. I had bought a bottle of this new drink. It was called uh, Jameson Cold Brew. So basically, it was like, remember Four Loco? Yeah. This was like the liquor form of that. And I drank so much, and um, I had um, a prescription. Because I have severe anxiety disorder. Uh, I had a prescription of three months worth of Xanax. So I decided that when I was done drinking that bottle, that I would go ahead and take the full bottle of Xanax. And I texted somebody. I really don't remember who. Either my mom or my grandma. That, uh, hey, uh, I'm checking out. Come pick up my dog. So I did that. And um, next thing I know, there's cops, there's firemen, there's, uh, there's EMTs at my door. And they're all trying to reason with me. And um, this is all that I remember. I just remember trashing my, my own apartment uh, because, you know, I collect a lot of shoes, so I had a lot of shoe racks in my like living room, and I I dumped them all on the floor, and then I broke my table, my 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 uh, coffee table, and um, I don't know. Somehow uh, I ended up getting pinned to the ground, and then they asked me they asked me if I wanted to go via. Uh, uh, ambulance or um, cop. So I was like, uh, I will take cop every day because I am not going to pay for a fucking ambulance. 
So they took me to the hospital. Um, and when I got to the hospital, they shot me up with more drugs, which was really weird. Uh, and I, I ended up trashing that room. Like I knocked, they had like hand sanitizer stations and all kinds of machinery in the, in the, in the hospital room. I broke it all down and then the cops came and then, I don't know, it was a big ordeal, but either way I ended up on the good side. Um, had a, a $50 copay. So, um, yeah, that was, that was my, uh, my, my suicide attempt. And I don't even know why, but, uh, I've been in therapy for God. Uh, I don't know how many months, but I've been without it for the last five months and uh that's kind of why i started this podcast so yeah and that's always good to talk it out because sadly like you know i grew up with brothers and cousins and family and mom and you know separated dad and my mom barely realized like how her friends were molesting me and whoa you know oh, what oh yeah it it gets it, go, it, it I go in for the detail like it, oh like, episode two <laughs> holy shit what are you talking about and again that's why I do what I do and again God my, damn my, it like. My mom and dad, you know, Lisa, really? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like, no, don't. Oh my god, and it sucks because my mom was just like the party hard girl, and god, damn I'm it. the single woman, and this and that. And I'm gonna have friends, and you know, sure enough, who's the only daughter there? Me, and my mom doesn't realize everything that's going on and you know and it's just like I deal with everything and, and no it, you're, it's okay it's okay <laughs> and like I am the way I am and I am you know stronger from it and well yeah you're fucking amazing but uh I'm over here, like, struggling to be a decent person and uh, using a podcast as an outlet because I can't afford my fucking therapist anymore because they declined my insurance while I was out on disability. So, yeah. Well, your way of talking is yeah. good enough. I mean, I try to do what I, you know... I'm just, I'm just kind of winging it here. Like this isn't my main thing. I'm not making money off of it, but uh, it's a good way to let a lot of feelings out. We'll figure it out. We'll find a way for resources, and it's possible. Yeah. Because. 
still, no matter what, you're still going through a lot as well. Going through what? Going through a lot as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nah, I mean, am I really? I don't know. Yes, you are. Because <laughs> there's, like, come on. Like, honestly, like, you had your grandparents take care of you. Right. I, you, you, you had your grandpa, you, you called them mom and dad. Right. If I had my grandpa and I was still able to call him, you know, dad, I lost him in 04. Like, no, we had, they were there for us. They were, they were our sanctuary. They were there to whatever we needed and whatnot. And that, that is true. Um, that is true. I've also uh, gone through uh, what has come to be a painful divorce. And that um, too. And that huh? too, and that too. I didn't go through that, but I I can imagine that. When I got the letter, I swear to God, I wanted to drive on the uh, wrong side of the freeway. So, that was there alone, and that was it necessary, especially because I remember that that y'all were. Junior high sweethearts, and then high school like that's not necessary for something for you to do. Yeah, no, it wasn't, but, but again, I know it was heartbreaking. It was soul crushing. It, exactly. <laughs> it was like I, I have. Uh, here I am. Uh, let me live in this. I was living in this uh, badass apartment for like three years. No, wait, two years. I signed a twenty-four month lease. So I had a nice bachelor pad, you know. But occasionally, my demons got a hold of me, and. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I gotta find a happy. Uh, I gotta find happiness. You will find your happiness, and and it will happen because I mean, same with me. I found it, and I'm better off. You just whether it's painting or are you yawning? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's time. Yeah. <laughs> it's time. I'm Let's still go ahead. Home. Let's go ahead and end it here. Um, you, um, what do you have? Uh, we already talked about it, but, um, what do you have to plug? What's your, uh, what's your side biz? Everything. Where can, where can we, Reach you 
as a human being, if you want to be known on this podcast, because uh, you don't have to give your full name if you don't want to. Uh, so just uh, let me know. Um, so you can reach me out at Esquisita if you know my name well and good enough because way back when I was still eventually a sorority girl. But now, obviously, I am a full-time mom and always have been. Um, still known, sadly, as Esquisita, but um, if anyone needs me, again, I am um, a sexual assault investigator. Come through. Let me know if you need disclosure. I will be here for you. Um, just reach out to me whenever and I will listen. All right. Well, that has been it. That has been our episode. We, uh, we got a good one here. So, uh, let's end it on that. Good night to you, Lisa. Thank you very much for being on my podcast. And, uh, hey, thanks for not uh, talking shit about that other one. I don't know. Do you, <laughs> do you, do you still want to or no? Until next time. <laughs> Until next time. Episode two. <laughs> You'll find it. You'll find yes, it. Until next time. And I will fully <laughs> disclose her podcast as well. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you for having thank, me on. No, thank you for for doing this because I I like I swear on my mother, you're the most interesting person that I've wanted to interview, and uh, I feel like I I got I got what I wanted out of you, even though there's more. There's more. Yes. And there's there more. There'll be some more. There will yes, you are a multifaceted, you're a wonder woman, and I, I really just want to pin you down. But I mean, like not in a you know, like a relationship sense, but I just want to pin you down and I wanna I wanna get to know who the hell you are. Yes, there's a lot more information and I'm I'm here. I'm All right. Ready. You sound like you're <laughs> sleepy, so we're gonna go ahead and end it now. Good night, mama. You have been great and uh that's it and um, you got something else good night Reyes. till next time i till, will be here till next time all right good night mama see you right, later bye, bye.